Two LAPD officers fired for playing Pokemon Go instead of responding to a robbery will not be getting their jobs back. The LAPD says an in-car camera recorded them ignoring the robbery call and continuing to play Pokemon Go. When I saw this case, I quite simply had to share it with you. And as it's actually my birthday month, it was my birthday last week, I thought covering a case that was a bit more lighthearted would be nice. So without further ado, let's delve into today's episode. People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. I showed emotion. The following episode is not suitable for those under the age of 13. Viewer discretion and parental guidance is advised. Before we delve into this case, I just want to tell you a little bit about the sponsor of today's video, the amazing Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for anyone who loves learning and wants to explore their creativity and learn new skills. Invest in yourself and your personal growth. If you have a specific skill that you're trying to learn, Skillshare is the perfect place to start. From videography to editing to criminology, research skills and more, you can find classes that will match your goals and interests without ads interfering with your focus and a variety of premium classes launched each week. It's easy to dedicate a little bit of your time to learning something new. I've personally enjoyed learning along with a program titled Introduction to Criminology Explaining Crime, led by an experienced criminologist. This course really provided some interesting context into criminology and has definitely helped me look at certain aspects of true crime with some fresh perspectives. If learning in English isn't your preference, worry not. Skillshare's platform is now available in French, Spanish, Portuguese, and German. Members can access the entire library of classes with subtitles, and Skillshare is also launching new classes spoken in French, Spanish, Portuguese, and German, so you can enjoy Skillshare in your language of choice. Right now, the first 1,000 people to use the link at the top of the description or my code will get a one month free trial of Skillshare. So make sure you grab your one month free trial. So thank you again to Skillshare for sponsoring today's episode and allowing content like this video to be made. Now back to the case. On Saturday the 15th of April 2017 in Los Angeles, California, the United States, at approximately 5.45pm, Sergeant Gomez was assisting in the watch commander's office. Now, the watch commander's office of the patrol division are responsible for the daily operations of police patrol on patrol shifts. So their primary role um, of the watch commanders is to provide citywide supervision to patrol personnel and operational command of all emergencies, serious incidents, major crime scenes, and non-emergency calls for service. So basically, they manage everything that's going on in active, ongoing inquiries and investigations. While Sergeant Gomez was assisting, a robbery in progress call, also known as a code 211, was broadcast for a robbery occurring at the Macy's at Crenshaw Plaza, 
which was located southwest of downtown LA, and this was being undertaken by multiple perpetrators. The broadcast stated that there were three male suspects stealing merchandise and possibly fighting with the security there. You could hear the security fighting over the radio. And so cops rushed over to attend to the scene, and about a minute after the call was broadcast, though some sources do state 10 seconds, but I'm more, more inclined to believe it was about a minute, Captain Davenport arrived on the scene, and straight away, Captain Davenport requested an air unit, notifying communications that he was going code 6 on the call, which basically means that he was responding to the location of the robbery. Now, interestingly, Captain Davenport reported seeing an unidentified police car start to back up down an alleyway nearby the scene before negotiating a left-hand turn to leave the area, which was extremely bizarre. Two further units also responded to the call, and they responded code 3, which means that they used their emergency lights and sirens to get to the scene as quickly as possible. One of these units from the police station, and the other from 39th on Walton. It was at this point that Sergeant Gomez, who was still assisting in the watch commander's office, noticed that Unit 3FB2, a unit comprised of officers Lozano and Mitchell, had gone code 6. Code 6, according to the LAPD manual, means, quote, Code 6, when a unit is conducting a field investigation and no assistance is anticipated, a code 6 followed by the location shall be broadcast. A unit shall not go code 6 until it arrives at the scene of a call. Units on code 6 status shall remain available for reassignment to priority calls by monitoring their radio frequencies. A unit on code 6 status may indicate to the dispatcher additional circumstances which will make the unit unavailable for assignment to a priority call. And these circumstances include a suspect in custody, primary unit at a crime scene, and or required at a backup assistance or help location. Now, as Captain Davenport had gone code 6 on the robbery, aka Cap the captain was the primary unit at the crime scene and so was unavailable for reassignments to priority call, Sergeant Gomez noticed Unit 3FB2 was code 6 in the Crenshaw Corridor, meaning that they had reported they were conducting a field investigation and that no assistance was anticipated. I know, all of this police lingo can be a bit confusing, but the takeaway from this was that Unit 3FB2 had claimed to be investigating something, but, and importantly, they should have remained available for reassignment to priority calls, and they should have monitored their radio for those orders. Sergeant Gomez attempted to radio Unit 3FB2 to request they respond to the robbery in progress at Crenshaw Mall to assist the captain, though the sergeant received no response. Communications continued to try to make contacts with Unit 3FB2 over the air, but to no avail. Throughout this, additional broadcasts were sent that detailed the situation at the Macy's. This included the fact that one suspect had escaped and had attempted to flee. A unit from Figueroa Exposition, which was about 4.5 miles away, responded to the broadcast with a code 3, meaning they were headed to the scene with lights and sirens to assist the units already present. Sergeant Gomez asked again whether Unit 3FB2 had acknowledged the requests sent to them, and communications reveals that they hadn't. When Sergeant Gomez returned to the station, he realised that Unit 3FB2 had gone Code 6 on their call on the Crenshaw Corridor, 
about one minute after Captain Davenport had arrived on the scene, approximately two minutes after the first Robbery in Progress broadcast was made. This was extremely bizarre and against proper police conduct, and so Sergeant Gomez wanted to determine what exactly had happened. Sergeant Gomez decided to respond to the Crenshaw Corridor, the area where Unit 3 FB2 had been stationed, and asked for the unit's whereabouts. Sergeant Gomez and Unit 3 FB2 met at Crenshaw and 43rd place at a 7-Eleven car park. The unit had been conducting an illegal merchandise investigation, and when it had concluded, Sergeant Gomez asked the officers what their duties were as footbeat patrol car. Officer Lozano, according to the court records, explained to the sergeant that their primary responsibility was community relations with citizens and business people, adding that, quote, the main issues are Le Mert Park. After discussing their duties, the sergeant asked them what they were doing when the robbery call had come in, and when the multiple broadcasts were transmitted to contact them. Sergeant Gomez asked the officers whether they had heard the call for backup at Crenshaw Mall for a 211, aka a robbery. Officer Mitchell said that he had not heard the call, though Officer Lozano said he had heard Captain Davenport was code 6 of the Crenshaw Mall, but he stated that he did not hear a request for backup. The sergeant rightfully grilled the officers, stating that, quote, we have to listen to the radio. It's what our livelihood and our safety depends on. The sergeant then asked the pair whether their radios had been working, to which Officer Mitchell responded by saying that there was, quote, a lot of music and that it was, quote, really loud in the park, especially on Saturdays. Officer Lozano concurred by adding, quote, we have no control over the public announcement system and all the loud noise. It was loud. Sergeant Gomez acknowledged that he couldn't dispute that and advised the two officers to, quote, move to a location where they could hear the radio if they found themselves in a loud area in the future. The sergeant then asked the two officers if they had any questions regarding his concerns before reiterating that the best practice was to be in a location where they could hear the radio. Sergeant Gomez would later explain, quote, At that point, my understanding was that the robbery call wasn't heard because they were at the park, and like I said, I could not dispute that. The meeting between Sergeant Gomez and Unit 3FB2 concluded, and they went their separate ways. The following day, on the 16th of April 2017, Sergeant Gomez still felt uneasy about what the two officers had told him, and so, when he came into work, he conducted a review of Officer Lozano and Officer Mitchell's CAD summary report and of their DICV. A CAD summary report is created by dispatchers following an incident, the CAD standing for Computer Aided Dispatch, and is effectively a log of the dispatch record and communications. The DICV is the police's digital in-car video system, which is utilised in service vehicles. It's important to note that the two officers did not realise at the time that their digital in-car video system, or DICV, had been activated. It was when Sergeant Gomez came into work on the 16th of April 2017 that it dawned on him to review their patrol unit's DICV's recording to, quote, find out what they do on their average day. Sergeant Gomez's review of the DICV's system recording revealed new, shocking, and disturbing facts. 
If you cast your mind back to earlier in this episode, you'll remember that Captain Davenport, who had been the first responder to the robbery, had reported seeing a patrol unit back up into an alleyway close to the scene. Sergeant Gomez discovered from Unit 3FB2's DICV recording that it had been their patrol units that Captain Davenport had seen. Further, the sergeant learns that the two officers had, in fact, heard the radio call about the robbery in progress. The two officers had actually discussed the call with one another and talked about whether they should assist Captain Davenport. Finally, the sergeant uncovered that Unit 3FB2 had gone Code 6 on the Crenshaw Corridor in order to conceal that they had decided not to respond to the call. According to court records, the DICVS recording disclosed that immediately after Captain Davenport's Code 6 was broadcast, Officer Lozano asked Officer Mitchell if they were Code 6 on the Crenshaw Corridor or on the corner near the mall where they were parked. Officer Mitchell responded saying they were, quote, at the corner and noted that the broadcast radio call was Davenport. Officer Lozano then instructed Officer Mitchell to put them on Code 6, quote, at the corridor, adding after some laughter and talking about Captain Davenport, quote, I don't want to be his help. What the fuck does that mean? I feel like... Mm, I don't know. I don't know what that means. There's some tea there that we don't know. What is your beef with Captain Davenport? Anyway. It was then that Unit 3FB2 moved their patrol car backwards through the alleyway and turned away from the mall, which was what Captain Davenport had observed. Over the course of the next several minutes, the in-car video system recorded continued radio traffic being received by the unit about the robbery and about the pursuit of multiple suspects. After communications had made a second attempt to contact the two officers, Officer Lozano asked if they should, quote, ask communications if there's a message, to which Officer Mitchell replied by saying, quote, it's up to you. Whatever you think, I don't want them to think we're not paying attention to the radio. Well, you're not paying attention to the radio, are you? The in-car video system then recorded Officer Lozano responding by saying, quote, ah, screw it. Notably, in the recording, neither officers made any attempt to respond over the radio when their unit was called. Upon uncovering all of this in the review, Sergeant Gomez notified the watch commander about the two officers' conduct and what their digital in-car video system recording had disclosed. The sergeant's concerns were forwarded up the chain of command, which resulted in Sergeant Gomez being instructed to prepare the face sheet of misconduct complaints against the officers. The misconduct investigation was subsequently carried out by Detective Tracy McClanahan and focused on the allegations that Officer Lozano and Officer Mitchell had failed to respond to a robbery in progress call made false statements to a supervisor, and neglected to handle a radio call. The investigation involved administrative conduct only, and so the statute of limitations was only one year, ending on the 16th of April 2018. Detective McClanahan's investigation predominantly involved multiple reviews of the DICV system recording, and interviews with Captain Davenport, Sergeant Gomez, Commander Gerald Woodyard, who had overseen the footbeat units, and Officer Lozano and Mitchell. Now, when Detective McClanahan spoke with Officers Lozano and Mitchell, they told her that they did not respond to the Robbie in Progress call due to the fact that Captain Davenport had not requested backup, and because they had allegedly been instructed to stay in their assigned area of the Crenshaw Corridor. 
Now, Commander Widyard would counter the officer's statements by claiming that he had not given them that instruction to stay in their assigned area, and that they should have responded to the radio call for the robbery in progress. Why would you lie to an, to an officer investigating an internal complaint when you know full well that they're going to speak to, you, to your superiors about this? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Idiots. After careful examination, Detective McClanahan concluded that officers Lozano and Mitchell failed to respond to the robbery call and attempted to conceal the fact by putting themselves on code 6 elsewhere. But why had these two officers, who had been well respected within the force, suddenly decided to ignore their policing duties? Detective McClanahan was determined to get answers, and she quickly uncovered that both officers had been playing. Pokemon Go while on duty the day of the robbery, something that was backed up by their digital in-car video system. Now I'm sure most of you are aware of or have heard of Pokemon Go, but I'll just quickly touch on it for those who may not know what it is. Pokemon Go is an augmented reality mobile phone game that uses the player's mobile device's GPS to locate, capture, battle and train virtual creatures known as Pokemon, which appear as if they are in the player's real-world location. The mobile phone game came out in 2016 and is credited with quote, popularizing location-based and augmented reality technology, promoting physical activity and helping local businesses grow due to increased foot traffic. Though the app isn't without controversy, it's been attributed to contributing to accidents, particularly car crashes, and for creating public nuisances. In the game, you have to capture Pokemon by throwing virtual Pokeballs at them, with the ultimate goal of catching them all, completing the Pokedex which catalogues all the Pokemon in the game. Now, around five minutes after Officer Lozano had said screw it to checking in with communications about the robbery call, at around 6.09pm, Officer Mitchell alerted Officer Lozano that a Pokemon called a Snorlax had just quote popped up at 46th and Lemurs. At that point in time within the game's history, the Snorlax Pokemon was considered to be rare. The two officers then discussed the best route to get to the Pokemon, and for the next approximately 20 minutes, the unit's DICV system captured them discussing Pokemon as they drove to different locations, where the virtual creatures apparently appeared on their mobile phones. On their way to the Snorlax's location, Officer Mitchell alerted Officer Lozano that a Togachick had just popped up, explaining it was on Crenshaw, just south of 50th. After Officer Mitchell caught the Snorlax, exclaiming, quote, got him, the officers agreed to go and get the Togachick Pokemon before driving off. When the patrol unit came to a stop again, the in-car video system recorded Officer Mitchell saying, quote, don't run away, don't run away, while Officer Lozano described how he, quote, buried it and ultra-balled the Pokemon before announcing that he'd caught it. You see, buried it and ultra-balled it is just terms for throwing a raspberry or a type of berry within the game at the Pokemon, and then using a type of Pokeball called an ultra-ball to capture it. 
these different berries and different pokeballs increase uh, your rates of catching it and your success rate and things like that. Without going into much more detail, they were quite clearly playing the game. Officer Mitchell announced that he was still trying to catch the Pokemon, stating, quote, holy crap, man, this thing is fighting the crap out of me. Eventually, Officer Mitchell remarks that he'd caught the Pokemon before saying, quote, the guys are going to be so jealous, referring to their colleagues back at the station. It was at this point that both officers decided to return back to the 7-Eleven car park to end their watch, which was the same car park where Sergeant Gomez would later meet up with them and they'd carry out the uh, quick investigation into illegal merchandising. So... That's where they went, and as they journeyed to the 7-Eleven, Officer Mitchell stated, quote, I got you a new Pokemon today, dude. Detective McClanahan, who had been the detective in charge of the misconduct investigation against Officer Mitchell and Officer Lozano, conducted a second round of interviews with the two officers to discuss her concerns that they had been playing a video game, namely Pokemon Go, while on duty. In this second interview, both officers denied that they had been playing a video game and claimed that they had been merely, quote, having a conversation about Pokemon Go and that Officer Mitchell had been receiving text messages and alerts from a Pokemon Go players group where, quote, people were bragging about their scores. Following this second interview, Detective McClanahan established that neither officers were being truthful. Detective McClanahan completed her report on the misconduct complaint investigation, including revisions, on the 7th of September 2017, which was well before the statute date of April 16th, 2018. And as a result of her findings, the Los Angeles Police Department, Southwest Division, or simply named as the departments within court documents, charged officers Lozano and Mitchell with multiple counts of on-duty misconduct, including one, failing to respond to a robbery in progress call, two, making misleading statements to Sergeant Gomez when asked why they did not hear the radio, three, failing to respond over the radio when their unit was called, four, failure to handle an assigned radio call, 5. Playing Pokemon Go while on patrol in their police vehicle, and 6. Making full statements to Detective McClanahan during a complaint investigation. Now both officers pled guilty to the first count, which was failure to respond to a robbery in progress, and the third count, which was failing to respond over the radio when their unit was called, but they pled not guilty to all the other counts. Let's take a look at the court records pertaining to the hearing in this case, but before we actually do that though, it's quickly important to establish that, according to the LAPD Disciplinary Process Legal Framework, section 1070M, the accused officer has the right to appear in person and by counsel or representative put forth a defence and produce witnesses and cross-examine witnesses. So when the petitioner, aka officers Mitchell and Lozano, and their representative is mentioned, we're not talking about a lawyer per se, but rather what we understand to have been a representative assigned by the Los Angeles Police Protective League, which is the police union that represents all police officers, ranks lieutenant or below. After opening statements, petitioner's representative objected to the admission of everything captured on the DICVS recording up to to petitioner's conversation with Sergeant Gomez at the 7-Eleven that evening. She argues the conversations between petitioners preceding the meeting with Sergeant Gomez were private, as petitioners did not realise their DICVS was running at that time. And she asserted the Board of Police Commissioners Special Order Number 45, which precluded the use of the DICVS to, quote, monitor private conversations between department employees. 
The department stipulated to the admission of Special Order Number 45, but argued it did not apply because the DICVS had captured petitioners engaged in police business, not private affairs. The board ruled the DICVS recording could be offered as evidence subject to the petitioner's continuing objection, quote, to testimony about private conversations on the video. The Board of Rights received testimony from Captain Davenport, Sergeant Gomez, Detective McConaughey, and Officers Lozano and Mitchell. Both petitioners characterized their willful failure to respond to the robbery in progress and to provide assistance to Captain Davenport as an, quote, error or, quote, lack in judgments. But they continued to insist they did not respond to the call because they believed they needed to remain within the boundaries of their assigned footbeat area. Both also denied that they had made misleading statements to Sergeant Gomez, describing their comments about noise in the park as, quote, generalized observations that were not meant as a specific response to the sergeant's questions about why they had not heard the radio. Petitioners also denied playing Pokemon Go while on duty. They claimed they were monitoring a Pokemon tracker application on their phone, but not playing the game itself. As for catching Pokemon, Officer Lozano insisted this referred to capturing an image of the Pokemon on the tracking application to share with friends, while Officer Mitchell said his statements about fighting the Togachik referred to relaying that information to the groups on my app, adding that, quote, in order to take the picture, occasionally the creature will fight. Bro, you just need someone to open the Pokemon Go app to understand how the app works. Like, it's not that difficult. Lozano said they were not engaged in a game, rather it was a, quote, social media event. Mitchell said he did not consider the application a game because it was not, quote, advertised as a game. Petitioners admitted leaving their footbeat area in search of a Snorlax, but they insisted they did so, quote, both as a part of an extra patrol and to chase this mythical creature. Yes, because chasing Pokemon, <laughs> chasing mythical creatures is definitely part of your active duty. After the presentation of evidence, petitioners' representative moved to strike the count alleging petitioners made misleading statements to Sergeant Gomez. She argued their meeting violated petitioners' rights under POBRA because the sergeant interrogated them on matters that could lead to punitive action without affording them the opportunity to have a representative present. The Board of Rights denied the motion and overruled petitioners' objection to the DICVS recording. Regarding POBRA, the board found the meeting with Sergeant Gomez, quote, was in the normal course of Sergeant Gomez's duty, and his counselling and instruction, quote, was routine and expected of a supervisor. As for the DICVS recording, the board received evidence that, subsequent to Special Order Number 45, the Professional Standards Bureau published Notice 13.5, which authorised the use of unintentionally recorded personal communications in disciplinary matters if there was, quote, evidence of criminal or egregious misconduct. Consistent with the notice, the board determines the DICVS recording could be used as evidence in the disciplinary proceeding because the misconduct captured, quote, would certainly be classified as egregious. The Board of Rights reached a unanimous verdict, finding petitioners guilty on all but the counts alleging they failed to handle an assigned radio call. Regarding the penalty, the Board found petitioners, quotes, were disingenuous and deceitful in their remarks throughout the Board hearing, 
Their willful failure to respond to the robbery in progress and attempt to conceal their whereabouts demonstrated a severe negative attitude and disdain towards Captain Davenport and reflected poorly on the department. Their inattention to duty while playing a mobile phone game violated the trust of the public and represented unprofessional and embarrassing behaviour and petitioners' overall behaviour was inconsistent with the values and principles expected of our police officers who serve this community. The board unanimously recommended petitioners be removed from employment with the department. The chief of police adopted the board's penalty recommendations and issued orders discharging petitioners from their positions as LAPD officers. So ultimately, despite their denials, officers Mitchell and Lozano were discharged from their positions as police officers in the LAPD. That isn't where this case ends. Both officers had the audacity to fight their discharge orders, still adamant despite literal video evidence that they had not played Pokemon Go on duty. Louis Lozano and Eric Mitchell, who are now former police officers for the LAPD, filed a petition for writ of administrative mandate, which challenged the decision to terminate their employment. This was on the grounds that the decision had been made in a manner contrary to the law by using the DICVS recording in their disciplinary proceeding and thereby denying them the protections of the Public Safety Officers Procedural Bill of Rights Act. And on the 1st of July 2022, the decision made by the Board of Rights was affirmed. It's important to note that Lozano and Mitchell had actually tried to take this to a trial court, but the trial court had also denied their petition. Ultimately, both former officers should honestly consider themselves lucky for only losing their jobs and not being charged with criminal offences such as perverting the course of justice through their dishonesty, amongst other charges. Here's a quick top tip for you. Don't play Pokemon Go if you're a police officer on duty, especially if you're being asked to respond to a robbery in progress happening across the street from where you are parked. Or really, don't play Pokemon Go if you're supposed to be serving the public and protecting life. Don't play Pokemon Go while you're at work. You know, do what you're being paid to do and do what you swarm to do to protect the public. No Snorlax is worth losing your job over. With that being said, that's everything I have for you in today's case. Thank you so much to Skillshare for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to grab your one month free trial using the links down below. Join us on our Discord server if you want to hang out with us as we watch true crime documentaries together every month. You can find a link down below too. Make sure to subscribe to this channel and hit that bell icon so you can be notified every single time I post a brand new true crime video, just like this one. And with all that being said, I'll see you in the next case. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.